from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. This is WIA National News for week commencing August the 3rd, 2014. I'm Brian, VK3GR. And I'm Robert, VK3DN. Good morning, Brian. We've turned the tables, listeners. You may realise that I introed this week. G'day, Robert. How are you, mate? I'm well. And yourself? Happy and well. Another beautiful week. Some crazy weather happening all over the place uh, at this end of the week, but uh, we'll see some amazing snowfalls, and uh, we've got a news article coming up about that. Yeah, for those interstate, down here in Melbourne, we've had some crazy winds and uh, rain and stuff. We've had power outages and... uh, Trees down and all kinds of things. That's what's been happening in VK3. Let's go around VK, beginning with the Foundation Course, the next Amateur Radio New South Wales Foundation Course and Assessment Weekend in the Greater Sydney area will be next month, September, on Saturday the 20th and Sunday the 21st. Bookings can now be made for both the Foundation Course and the Assessments by sending off an email addressed to education at arnewsouthwales.org.au. And news from Steve Warrilow, VK3SN, about the VK3 High Country Expedition. Stephen says that to send through the word that the VK3SN annual Bogong High Plains trip is already underway and it's finishing on August the 4th. He says that operations will be around 7.1 megahertz in the afternoons and 3.6 in the evenings and they'll only be on 5 watts, so it could be fairly quiet, but try in the first 15 minutes of each hour, and that'll be a pretty good bet. He says that snow conditions are excellent, and they've had and gotten some new gear, they're ready to try out, and they're pretty keen. So, sounds like they're going to have fun again this year, Brian. And more information at vk3sn.net. Thank you for sending the information through, Stephen. And he always uh, writes up a great article for his website, and I've read it in AR News, uh, AR Magazine, in uh, recent years too. Yeah, there have been a cover photo, I think, last year too for him. I love that photo in the igloo. So uh, I think, listeners, when you're creating an igloo, you stand in a spot and say, this'll do, and then you start digging down, and whatever you dig out, you pack outwards and create a wall. So I think that's pretty smart, because you only have to go halfway down to get twice the height, if you know what I mean, Robert. Yeah. I know what I mean. That's all that really matters to me. Indeed. Moving on. Hey, Rob, I've got a note here about a special event call sign. You've got more on that? Yeah, I have actually. uh, The call sign, Brian, it's actually called Victor India 3 Anzac. VI3 Anzac. That's for Anzac Day, but that was a month ago or so, wasn't it, Rob? Well, it was actually, Brian. But uh, did you know that the very first shot of the Great War of uh, 1914 to 18 was actually fired here in Victoria from Fort Queenscliff and it happened on the morning of the 5th of August 1914 and its purpose was to stop a German ship from leaving Port Phillip Bay. So that's 100 years ago. So to commemorate this event, Brian, the Geelong Amateur Radio Club will activate the historic site with a station using the call sign VI3 Anzac. That'll be on the air from 10.30am this coming Tuesday. That's 100 years to the hour from when the shot was fired across the bow of the German merchant ship SS Fowles, which stopped it from leaving Port Phillip Bay. That's pretty cool. How did the um, Geelong Club get use of the call sign? Well, the WIA, Brian, it went into bat and uh, contacted the Federal Minister for Veterans Affairs, the Honourable Michael Ronaldson MP, and his department for the use of the word ANZAC in this special event call sign. VI3 ANZAC is the first allocation of an amateur call sign representing the ANZAC Centennial Commemoration. 
The call sign will be in use for 24 hours from 10.30am next Tuesday, the 5th of August. So, Brian, look out for VI3 and Zach on the bands. And, yes, there will be a special QSL card to collect for contacts with that station. That's excellent. And, obviously, it's the first shot, so we're the first ones to start with the first usage of the uh, Anzac in a call sign. So I'll be getting out there to have a bit of a, uh, a listen and a contact. I'm not really a QSL chaser, but... You know, for these special cards, it always gets me on air. That's right. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yeah, it, it is such a great part of the uh, of the hobby, isn't it, to be able to have a memento of a momentous occasion. Operators wanted for VK4KG RD contest operations. Not going to the Lighthouse weekend, but want to get involved in some radio action and help energise the VK4KG Memorial RAAF Museum Station for the Remembrance Day contest? Well, Wayne, VK4WDM, wants to hear from you and give you the opportunity to operate some heritage and modern equipment on voice or CW during the RD weekend from Saturday the 16th to Sunday the 17th of August. It's your chance to operate a real memorial call sign from inside a real museum situated inside a real Air Force base. Contact Wayne now. The phone number's in the text edition or sing out on the RAT repeater system. And that's all from Round VK. Now to Ono with what use is an F call? Yeah, tell us about it, Ono. What use is the F call? What use is an F call? In the past couple of years, I've participated in several contests. And I know you might think that contesting isn't your thing, but bear with me. I think you might be surprised. As I said, I've participated in several contests. I basically turned up, either with my own radio or that of a club station, plugged in the aerials and started entering logging details. There was slightly more to it than that, but overall not really. This week I've been preparing for a contest myself. I have to confess it's a totally different animal. My preparations are about a third of the way. At least I hope they are. The contest is about a week away and I've learned so much that I don't even know where to start. I might add that most of the learning had nothing to do with contesting as such. More with the invisible logistics, which until now had mostly been taken care of by themselves. That is, someone other than me made it magically happen. So what have I been up to? Well, for starters, I want to run two radios side by side, because I've got two ears and lots of antennas and I happen to have two radios. So my first preparation is to set up some switching box that will allow me to hit the PTT on one radio and talk while still having the ability to switch to the other radio without having to resort to either wearing two headsets, having two microphones, or having to plug and unplug along the way. I'm getting closer. I can hear both radios, still working on a short somewhere, which is causing the PTT to unexpectedly be active. Not something you really want, hi hi. I've got access to a nice tri-bander, so that takes care of 10 and 15 metres. There's a folded dipole for 2 metres on site, and a wideband wire dipole for 40 metres. But I really also want to have 80 metres, and I'd like to use my collinear on 2 and 70. So I'm going on site a week before the contest to build both the collinear mast and the 80 metre pyramid wire antenna, and to test them in situ. I'll then need to figure out what I'm going to do about logging, one computer or two, what software, how to back it up, Then there's food, sleeping arrangement, since I'm unlikely to be able to do 24 hours straight, though I might surprise myself. There's the contest rules to read, radios to program, printouts to make, 
and I'm sure I've missed some salient detail. All I'm saying is that contesting as such is not just about the on-air activity. So perhaps you'll be giving contesting a go next time, if nothing than to test your ability to set up your station in a different location. One more thing. Thank you to all those amateurs who set up a station for me in the past. I clearly didn't know the half of it. I'm Ono, VK6FLAB. Thanks, Ono. Now to international news with thanks to the IARU, the RSGB, the SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, the NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. And this news story from AR Newsline. The first set of high-resolution results from the European Space Agency's three-satellite constellation named Swarm has revealed the most recent changes in the magnetic field that protects our planet. Amateur Radio Newsline's Heather Emby, KB3TZD, reports. The Swarm Satellite Observation System is providing some unprecedented insights into the complex workings of Earth's magnetic field. Measurements made over the past six months confirm the general trend of the field's weakening, with the most dramatic declines over the Western Hemisphere. However, in other areas, such as the Southern Indian Ocean, the magnetic field has strengthened since this past January. The latest measurements also confirm the movement of magnetic field northward towards Siberia. These changes are based on the magnetic indications stemming from Earth's core, Over the coming months, scientists plan to analyze the data provided by the SWARM satellites, along with contributions from other sources, including the observations of Earth's crust, mantle, oceans, ionosphere, and magnetosphere. Together with the data collected from space, the researchers hope to provide new insight into many natural processes, from those occurring deep inside our planet to space weather triggered by solar activity. In turn, they hope this information will yield a better understanding of why the planet's magnetic field appears to be weakening. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Heather Emby, KB3TZD, in Berwick, Pennsylvania. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. And now back closer to home with some media news. Telstra announces plans to shut down the 2G mobile network. In an online post on the Telstra Exchange website, Telstra Network Group Managing Director Mike Wright advised that the 20-year-old 2G network would be dismantled over the next two and a half years. Wright cites that the mobile network accounts for less than 1% of total network traffic and that the company has not sold a 2G-specific device in over two years. Technologies on newer 3G and 4G networks continue to evolve and already offer higher speeds, having attracted a large proportion of the 2G customer base. It's expected that the 2G frequency allocations will be reassigned to expand the remaining networks. This, as Vodafone also announces a refarming plan to migrate some 3G spectrum to improve their 4G offering. The links to the news articles are in the text edition. Well, what about not only the reassigning of the frequencies, but what's going to happen to the old transmitters reassigned to amateur radio construction projects, maybe? I I can certainly see a, uh, a ham 2G network. Okay, DX News Markdown November has been when the LW9 EOC will be operational from San Andreas Island November the 26th into December the 9th. Also to take part in the CQ Worldwide DXCW contest as well as the ARRL 160 metre CW contest during his stay. 
No call sign for this operation has been announced, but there is the possibility it could be 5JZ0T. QSL via LW9EOC, his home call sign. Operational News, Dateline 2014, the 1010 International Summer Contest this weekend. Might still have some time to get involved, August 2nd and 3rd. WIA Remembrance Day, the RD Contest, August 16 and 17. Don't forget the Alara Contest, August 30 and 31. The Manly Warringah Radio Society's Flagpole Contest, September 20. Amateur Radio International Air Ambulance Week, nine days from September 28th. Okay, and here's to Leslie, VK5LOL, with some news from Alara. Hi, this is Leslie, VK5LOL, the Alara Contest Manager. Just wanting to let you know that the 34th Alara Contest is coming up in August. Saturday the 30th, Sunday the 31st, the last weekend of August. Details can be found on the Alara website. It would be wonderful if more YLs would participate, particularly some of our newer F calls. We are very friendly and don't take contesting too seriously. Paper logs are welcome and there is also an echo link section. Looking forward to speaking with lots of YLs on the 30th and 31st of August. 33's Leslie VK5LOL. Thank you, Leslie. Special event stations DX Beacon Repeater and Net Advice for August. DXCC manager Bill Moore, NC1L, was seriously injured in an automobile accident about two weeks ago. Unfortunately, his neck was broken, leaving him paralysed from his upper body down with limited movement of his arms. Recovery will be difficult and slow and is not expected to be total, unfortunately. Bill would like to hear from his friends. He's currently in the Mount Sinai Rehab Hospital in Hartford, but cards and well wishes should be sent direct, and you can see the address for that in the text edition. Okay, Bill, well, from all of us here in Australia and uh, from the WIA National News Service, wishing you all the very best at this uh, difficult time and uh, recover as well and as quickly as you can, mate. Okay, to YO2MSB. It'll be active stroke 3A from Monte Carlo, Monaco, between September the 5th and the 12th. QSL via the Bureau or electronically using EQSL. And in VK3, VK3VDH will be active stroke 7 from King Island between August the 14th and the 17th. His operation will be on 40 and 20 metres using SSB only. QSL VK3VTH via the Bureau. And in VK3 again, VK3ATX will be operational slash P from Gabo Island on August the 16th and 17th. Activity will be on the high frequency bands. QSL via VK3ATX, home call sign direct only. Panama Canal special event this month. Panama celebrates its 100th anniversary of the Panama Canal. On August 15th, the Panamanians will celebrate the 100th anniversary of the inaugural transit through the Panama Canal. This activity is organised by amateurs of the Republic of Panama. A special event station is operating as HO100 Canal until August 15. Activity will be on 160 through 10 metres using CW, SSB, PSK and RIDI. The QSL manager for the operation is HP1AVS. You can get more details at qrz.com slash db slash ho100canal. LA for LA and LJ for LB. Want to know what we're talking about? Well, it celebrates 200 years of the Norwegian constitution during 2014. 
In addition, special event stations LM1814 will be active as part of the celebration. Go check it out in the text edition. To Nauru, September 29th to October 19th. LZ1GC is planning to be operational as C21GC from the Republic of Nauru between September 29th and October 19th on 160 through 10 metres using CW, SSB and some RITI. HS50 RAST special event call sign. Radio Amateur Society of Thailand, RAST, have been issued with a special call sign, HS50 RAST, which celebrates the 50th anniversary of RAST and can be used until the end of 2014. Congratulations to them. 50 years strong, and in the last few years they've had some major... uh Weather and uh, disaster activations too, haven't they, Rob? They've had some major activity. Good, uh, good effort on the part of the organisation. Now to Bosnia-Herzegovina, E72. Special event station E72 NATO is active until the end of 2014 to commemorate the cooperation of NATO and Bosnia-Herzegovina that was established in 2006. QSL via E73Y. E6XG, here's another one. JA1XGI has announced that the next operation will be from Nui between December the 1st and the 6th and is expected to be issuing the call sign E6XG. Activity will be on 160 through 10 metres, CW, SSB and some digital. QSL via his home call sign JA1XGI, either direct or via the Bureau. Now to Intruder Watch, the Brazilian telecommunications agency, Anatel, have brought about a successful action against intruders in their two metres band. Federal agents visited a launching hill on Sao Paulo and detected illegal aeronautical mobile communication on VHF two metres by air sports pilots and alike. That's hang gliders, paragliders, etc. Several handhelds were retained by the agent. Good on them. Okay, and that was from IARU Region 1. Okay, to Golden Syrup on the air, this is Media Watch time. ABC Radio Local recently published a story that may be of particular interest to AM aficionados. Scientists at the University of Sydney have conducted unique research into the secret of good radio voice. Using a high-speed video endoscopy camera to record the motion of the vocal cords in the throats of 16 male radio broadcasters, the team found that the subjects had faster opening and closing vocal folds. Speech pathologist Dr Kate Madhill said this suggests that the professionals have better control of the tension of their vocals while speaking. It's hoped that the secrets behind sonorous endowment of presenters on the wireless may provide clues as to how to train new voices. Well, I don't think they did the study on our vocal cords, did they, Brian? No, and I'm still not happy about being excluded from this one. But I wonder if Graham, VK4 Baker Baker, was part of the trial now. He has gone away for a time. You think it's covert ops in uh, voice uh, broadcasting technology? he's got a camera down his throat. They're looking. Possibly. Possibly. Possibly possibly not, too. Okay, 144 megahertz channels being used for the UK Commonwealth Games. Brian? The Radio Society of Great Britain says that four 25 kilohertz bandwidth channels in the two metre band between 144 and 144.1 megahertz are being used at the Commonwealth Games that began on July 22nd and will conclude on August 4th. This following negotiations between the United Kingdom's National Amateur Radio Society and the Telecommunications Ofcom. 
Usage of the spectrum by the Commonwealth Games will be limited to the vicinity of Glasgow, Scotland. Games venues and will be limited to handheld equipment operating on a maximum of 5 watts of effective radiated power. Ofcom emphasises that use of primary amateur spectrum is only for the specified time period and does not constitute a long-term change of usage. In making the announcement, Ofcom said that it was aware of the very short notice to the United Kingdom's ham radio community. Therefore, the authorisation for use of this spectrum is on a non-interference, non-protection basis. That said, hams in the Glasgow area are requested to avoid these frequencies until the 4th of August. Sounds very familiar. Happens here in uh, VK3 when the uh, Grand Prix is on too. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. And now to Worldwide Special Interest Groups, beginning with Aris. Honours for Canadian hams, including an astronaut. As part of 86 new appointments to the Order of Canada, His Excellency the Right Honourable David Johnson, Governor-General of Canada, recognised Vina Rawat, VA-300G and KC-5RNJ. Rawat, VA-3ITU, was honoured as a Companion of the Order of Canada for her contributions to telecom engineering and for leadership in establishing a global regulatory framework for radio spectrum management. Rawat also chaired the World Radio Communications Conference in 2003. Hadfield, VA-300G and KC-5RNJ, was honoured as an Officer of the Order of Canada for his commitment to promoting scientific discovery and for sharing the wonders of space exploration with the world. Hadfield was the International Space Station Expedition 35 Commander during his 2013 duty tour. Hadfield's passion for science, photography and amateur radio is certainly no secret. Not sure if you remember this one, Rob. This guy here, Chris Hatfield, he's the one who was doing all of the uh, YouTube videos and streaming and things from up there. He was showing people how they uh, brush their teeth and how they go to the toilet. Oh, and, that's the guy. And he did some really cool uh, experiments and some sort of thought experiments about, um, uh, I think his favorite food was tacos or something. Yeah. Because you can wrap it up and stuff it in your mouth without getting all over the, the ship. Yeah. Yes. And some uh, interesting videos. Go check it out on YouTube. Okay, to Worldwide Special Interest Group's Radio Amateur Old Timers. The Antique Wireless Association of South Africa has a new website, and it's worth a visit, and you can find it in the text edition of the new service. And now to Clive, VK6CSW, with news from the RAOTC. Hello, everyone. This is Clive, VK6 Charlie Sierra Whiskey. Reminding you that tomorrow is the first Monday of the month and it's time once again for the Radio Amateurs Old Timers Club of Australia's Bulletin to go to air. This month, in addition to all the latest club news, we learn something of the adventures of Rob Gurr, VK5RG, when he was in the Antarctic in the 1960s. Everyone, RAOTC members and non-members alike, is most welcome to tune in and to join in the callbacks afterwards. There are several different ways to hear the bulletin. The principal HF transmissions are on 20 metres, on 14.150 MHz upper sideband, originating in Melbourne. The first, at 0100 UTC, is beamed northwards for Eastern States listeners, and an hour later, at 0200 UTC, it's beamed westward for WA. 
Also at 0200 UTC, we have transmissions from Perth on 40 metres on 7060 kHz lower sideband, and also via all the linked NewsWest repeaters. Additionally, there are a number of local transmissions on HF, VHF and UHF. To find one for your area, please visit the RAOTC website at www.raotc.org.au That's www.raotc.org.au Or, as from Tuesday, the audio file can be downloaded from the RAOTC website. Once again, the August RAOTC News and Information Bulletin will be on air tomorrow and we look forward to hearing you during the callbacks. 7-3 from Clive, VK6, Charlie, Sierra, Whiskey. And now a quick run through the social scene 2014 and you could say it's the Hamfest scene. August 3rd, VK6, Northern Corridor Radio Group, Hamfest. September 13, VK4, Sunshine Coast Amateur Radio Club, Sunfest. September 14th in VK3, Shepparton and District Amateur Radio Club, Hamfest. September 28th, VK3, Amateur Radio Technology Group, Hamfest in Keelor East. October 3rd, VK4, Townsville Amateur Radio Club's Cardwell Gathering four-day event. October 25th in VK4, it's a Hamfest on the Gold Coast. November 2nd, VK5, Hamfest Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society. November 9, VK3, Yarra Valley Amateur Radio Group, Hamfest. November 15th, VK7, the Mayena Hamfest. Imagine that, Rob. And the last one on the list, November 30th in VK3, the Spark Hamfest in Rosebud. Now, if you've missed any of those, Hamfests. I'm pretty sure they're in the text edition, and if you want to go for a drive between one and f- uh, 15 or so hours, you could probably do one most weekends in the in the next few months. But listeners, please, this is an important part of uh, Amateur Radio uh, fraternity and the uh, the hobby that we have and how we uh, share our hobby with others and each other. So please get along to these clubs' ham fests and support them well. Okay. We've had some feedback again this week, Brian. Yep, um, I got one from my mum saying that I was doing a really good job, but I didn't include it. No. That was very nice of your mum. Yep. Uh, now, Greg, uh, VK4GJW, thank you very much for sending the kind note in. He says, G'day, Rob and Brian. Very much enjoyed your delivery of the WIA News again. Enjoy your conversational style of delivery and chat. Keep up the great work. Go the volunteers. Listeners, remember that even when we're not here, everyone on air is a volunteer. So if you'd like to join us at some time, please send through a snippet. And if you've got any news for us, please submit it to uh, the link on the website or just nationalnews at wia.org.au. Okay, Brian, I think we're just about at the end of the news, but you've got a really good one for us this week, the final final. This is a super final final from the US talking about Amazon's crazy ideas to not just take over our radio waves, but also our airspace. Amazon.com is asking the Federal Aviation Administration permission to field test drone aircraft as part of its plan to deliver packages to customers in 30 minutes or less. Amateur Radio Newsline's Cheryl Lassick, K9BIK, has the rest of the story. In a letter to the FAA dated Wednesday, July 9th, Amazon.com said it's developing aerial vehicles as part of its previously announced Amazon Primair delivery service. It noted that these high-tech delivery aircraft can travel over 50 miles per hour and carry loads up to 5 pounds. The company noted that about 86% of its deliveries weigh 5 pounds or less. 
The Federal Aviation Administration currently allows hobbyists and model aircraft makers limited privileges to fly remote-controlled drones, but their commercial use is all but completely prohibited. Amazon is asking for an exemption to the ban, so it can test its design for the proposed delivery service. The Seattle, Washington-based company says its drone testing will only take place over Amazon's private property, away from airports or areas with aviation activity, and definitely away from military bases. With Amazon's paperwork now submitted at this point, it's all up to the FAA to decide. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Cheryl Essek, K9BIK in Zion, Illinois. As many will remember, Amazon created a media frenzy last December when it outlined its plan to deliver packages using drone aircraft. While at the time, some thought it to be a joke, it turns out that the company is very serious in developing such a futuristic air delivery system. Well, we've come to the end of this week's news, Brian, and uh, thank you again for joining me here in Studio 3C. 3C is a lovely place, listeners. You can only imagine the salubrious accommodation that we've got for our uh, recording today. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Robert, for taking care of the editing. And it's been a uh, pleasure and honour to be here. We're halfway through our tour of duty, so you will hear from us again next week. We'd like to hear from you during the coming week so that we can put your comments on air as well and any news articles. And as I said earlier, just a little snippet of audio. Tell us about where you're from. What? Tell us something about your club, perhaps, something that you've done or that you're doing. We'd love to share that with the other listeners. Would be great. All right, thank you, Brian. And as we say each week, we report it, you decide. We've reported, you decide.